Welcome to Season 6 of Purposeful Empathy, a show dedicated to amplifying the voices of people from across the globe who believe the world needs more empathy and are doing something about it. Today's episode is brought to you by Grand Huron International, an on-demand coaching provider for individuals and companies. Thanks for watching. Enjoy the show. Welcome to a new episode of Purposeful Empathy. Today I'm joined by Marissa Latshaw, who is founder of Latshaw Marketing and is an experienced marketer and creator of the empathetic positioning process. She helps leaders and teams activate empathy to develop brands, products, and messages that inspire action. Her inclusive approach to qualitative audience research, strategic positioning, and marketing planning has created lasting results for organizations large and small across industries, including software, financial services, manufacturing, nonprofit, and creative. Welcome, Mar Marissa. Hi, so good to see you, Anita. Yeah, I'm really great. It's great to meet you because we have so many empathy friends in common. So yeah. lovely that we finally had the chance to connect. Um, I love asking the question about how people came to be, how they came to fall in love with empathy and, uh, you know, why it's so important in their lives. So is there a backstory for you? There really is. So I started my career way back when, right. And I was in finance at the beginning and I knew there, that wasn't really a fit for me. I was good at numbers. So that seemed like an obvious uh, choice. So I, made the switch to consumer marketing. So I was really interested in people and human behavior and what motivates them and inspires them and why they, why they engage with certain brands and products and why they don't. So I got this job at a um, pretty well-known publisher in their consumer marketing department. It's a, you know, an entry-level position. And they told me they were building an office for me. And I was like, Oh, you know, I'm this really young person, but they're building an office. What they actually meant was that they were putting a door on a photocopy machine room. So it was a <laughs> little tiny internal office. And I basically spent like the next two years there. I mean, you couldn't even like roll the chair back. It's that that's how small this, this was. I spent two two years basically crunching numbers and that was marketing. Like I, I was like, where are the people, you know, what, how do we, like my phone never rang. I never had any interaction with other humans. And I was so interested in humans and everything was really just packaged up into data sets and segments and kind of all this measurement, you know, multivariate testing. It was, it was interesting. I was good at it, but I was really feeling like something's missing. So um, I left, you know, fast forward, I had a couple of different sort of corporate type jobs in marketing. And um, after I had my son, I started in a, at a uh, startup, an event services marketplace called Gigmasters that's still, you know, in business today. And, um, it, you know, they were at their very early stages. So I joined the founders and they had no one really doing marketing. You know, someone was doing development and some sales, but no one was doing marketing. So this was my chance. I was like, oh, I get to do marketing kind of the way I really believe it needs to be done. And, you know, I'd read about, you know, other ways to think about marketing. And I had all of these sort of skills that I had built up over the first part of my career, but now I had this opportunity. So I spent the first summer calling all their customers and just really listening to what was on their minds, what was in their hearts, why they were engaging with this particular service, which was really changing their lives, right? So it wasn't, you know, they weren't just selling, you know, one little product. They they actually were 
impacting people's lives. Um, so I was bringing all of that information, all those voices back into the into the organization, and we were using that information to make decisions that would help to really meet the needs and the values of the people that they were serving. So that was like a seed for what I do today. So then flash forward, you know, 10 plus years, I left that role in 2015, I think. And then I really started, I started out on my own and really did a lot of um, research on empathy. And I saw like this human connection and, you know, began to work with clients and develop a process over the past, you know, it's been like five, six years now where I've developed this process that um, we can talk about in a bit, but I, you know, where we look at empathy from the uh, organizational standpoint and a marketing standpoint. And um, it's been, it's been a great experience since then. So hopefully that gives you a little, little bit of backdrop on how I'm coming at this. Absolutely. And I obviously want to unpack this process that you developed and hear how it's working. And maybe you have a few case examples that you can share. But um, why do you think empathy is so key and so important to marketing sort of at a high level? Yeah, so I think you and I are very much in sync on this. So empathy is this superpower, I believe that, you know, we all have and that we're born with this capacity for empathy, right? Um, and, you know, my definition, I know we all have our own sort of little nuanced definitions, but I, I, you know, pulling together a lot of different definitions, my, you know, the one that resonates for me is that empathy is our ability to feel and understand and respond to the feelings of others. And that the more we practice this, the stronger we get. Um, but when we, when we tap into this empathy in our, in our lives, we have the potential to heal our world, right? And there's so much divisiveness in the world. Um, and then when I step back and I think about like, how, how could I impact that from my point of view and my expertise in marketing, I really believe that the organizations that we live in and that we work in are powerhouses for collective empathy. So we have all these individual people who have this capacity for empathy, but are we really harnessing that and really tapping that to serve people better? Um, so I think, you know, our job as leaders, as marketers is to tap into that empathy so that we can really connect with and inspire the people we serve to take actions, to engage with us, to improve their lives and to help the business. So I feel like there's all there, there are, there's a potential for multiple benefits, both the business and people. Yeah, you're right. We are aligned uh, in that philosophy about how important empathy can be to transform our, our personal lives, our organizations in the world, for sure. So yeah. tell me about this process that you've developed. Sure. So it's called the empathetic positioning process. And um, it really one thing I notice is that, you know, I know that marketing is all about making meaningful value based connections. At least that's how I see marketing. Um but this ju doesn't just happen. And there are a lot of business, major business leaders out there talking about empathy. But what I haven't seen is the oh, an, like an actual system for bringing empathy into marketing. So for um, businesses, they really need to get intentional and systematic about empathy. So that's where this idea for the empathetic positioning process really came from. And it, it um, looks at the goals and needs and values of the people you serve, both inside your organization. So I approach it from like a self-empathy standpoint, really looking at the employees and understanding what 
what is inspiring them, what is motivating them, what their values are and what their needs are for the organization. And then we look outside of the organization that the customers, partners, donors, whoever it is that they are specifically looking to serve. And we narrow that into um, a success outcome, like some, some a successful outcome that we are ultimately looking to achieve for the business. So the process has three C's um, that, that make it up. It's, the, it's curiosity, clarity, and connection. And I'm sure when I say those words, of course, like those are such empathy-based uh, words, right? So curiosity is the first step. And that's really about identifying the people to talk to and developing the right questions to ask. So that's sort of a simplified version of, 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 there's a lot to it, but that's kind of the high level look at it. So that's curiosity. The second C is clarity. And that's where we're finding the places where the goals, needs, and values of the internal organization overlap with the goals, needs, and values of the people that they serve. So it's a really um, illuminating process because what it does, it sort of neutralizes um, a lot of sort of internal um, points of view and really puts them into the shoes and through the eyes of the people that they're serving. So, you know, you may have someone in sales saying we should do this and you have someone in customer service saying we should do this as a strategy. And now you're saying, well, this is what this is what your customers are actually what, what they really care about. So the third C um, brings uh, it, it, we bring to connection, which this is from this place of clarity, we are able to develop meaningful connections. And it's from the language that we use all the way to the strategies we employ to connect with them and then the actual culture that we create. And that's sort of this little side benefit that I like to share because I think a lot of organizations want to be empathetic, but I think there's no better way to get your organization to be more empathetic than to engage them in an exercise where they are actually listening to the people that they serve and taking that time at the beginning to do that self-reflection, that self-empathy piece as well. So do you see overlap with what your model is and design thinking or human-centered design? Um, you know, I do think there is some overlap. I've definitely looked closely at that. You know, I think from, you know, this, this there are design outcomes that often bubble up from this work. So for example, I've been working with a um, environmental uh, foundation and their work is very much about how they communicate to um, many different constituencies and they're a 40 year plus foundation. So their audiences have really changed and evolved over time, but their communications didn't really reflect the breadth of the work that they do. So a kind of an outcome of the work that we're doing together is a new website. So the website is being designed and it incorporates all of the learnings, but but there's so much more to it than just the design piece. So it influences how we think about design. And certainly with, with design thinking, it, 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 um, there are some overlaps, as you say, but I think this, this process is very much kind of it's holistic because it's, it's looking at the organization, it's looking at the individuals, it's looking at the people you serve, and then applying it to a specific success outcome. Sure. Now you've just given an example, but I'm actually going to ask you again to maybe share in a second, um, you know, some of the outcomes with different clients that you've had in different sectors, sure. just so that people could really get a handle on, you know, we've got the the process now, but to, to really uh, understand it at a granular level. But I want to talk about an elephant in the room for just a second. 
for me anyways, because I was, I'm a marketing student. Mm -hmm. Like I graduated, my undergrad is in marketing and I, my first, you know, step along the career path was in cosmetics, right? So I know what marketing involves. I mean, I don't know what it looks like now in 2021 because it's been so long, but I've come a long way. Um, And I think about the state of the world that we're in, not only in terms of like our own personal lives, but just climate change and these big existential threats. And I think to myself, oh, do we really need to apply marketing so that we could sell more stuff to people who don't need that stuff? Like, I just wonder if you could speak a little bit to the work that you do and, you know, how it's connected to consumerism or not at all or whatever. Yeah, I just want to just address that for a minute. Yeah, I'm so glad you did, because this is this is something that I completely I kind of feel is very much underpins the work that I do in that. I believe that putting profit before people isn't just unethical, that it is becoming increasingly dangerous. Um, and I, you know, I know you touch on this in your TED talk too, right? You more than touch on it. I mean, you really get into kind of some of the pitfalls that are plaguing our society as a result of kind of focusing too heavily on, um, on you know, profits over people in digital technology is something that, you know, pulls, pulls um, decision-making into some really uncomfortable places that are not good for humanity. So, um, so I really think there, that's, that, you know, thinking about the way we go to market is really important. It's, it's a responsibility that we have, and I don't think it has to be, you know, it's all for profit at the, at the um, detriment to society. So we need as marketers to be thinking about how do we create sustainable, profitable businesses that benefit the people that we serve. So um, so if we come at it from that point of view, I think that we, our businesses actually do benefit. And that's a big, you know, because I come from this consumer marketing background where everything was measured, we have like metrics that we use to determine, is this working? Isn't it working? You know, what's not working? Um, So, you know, I don't think, I think that it's consumerism is going to continue. We need to inject more empathy into it. I love hearing you say that. And, you know, just in terms of the timing of this interview, right now we're just on the heels of the whistleblower at Facebook coming out and talking about, you know, how it's harming young girls and youth and their self-esteem and democracy is under siege in in part because of what they're doing. And so you're suggesting that leaders and their organizations, you know, the more they can infuse empathy into their work, the the better we'll all be, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think that the Facebook example is spot on for like what can go wrong, right? So just this idea that, you know, if if algorithms are going to increasingly make decisions for uh, marketers, essentially, and for businesses, we are harming ourselves, we're harming our children, right? I mean, you can have a simple search interest of health food or fitness. I have a teenage son, you know, he's really into fitness right now, but that can quickly turn into content that is really dangerous, you know, eating disorders, um, all kinds of drug drugs, all kinds of things that we wouldn't want to expose our, our kids to. And we think that an innocent search like 
fitness would be something that should be very, very benign, but meanwhile, it's, it's, it's not. So there are people programming these algorithms, right? So we need to be thinking responsibly and empathetically about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a five-year-old daughter, so I think about that down the pike. Today's episode was brought to you by Grand Huron International, an on-demand coaching provider for individuals and companies. So you're proud of your work and you see, you know, some wins along the way that like, yeah, the work you do is powerful. Can you share a little bit like how, how your work uh, manifests? Yeah, sure. So one thing about the empathetic positioning process is that it has been applied across so many different scenarios, right? So, and, and, you know, at the beginning I, I was like, oh, you know, I did this for, software company is it going to work for an ngo is it going to work for a manufacturer and and now i have confidence after many times doing it that it does um and of course it, you know it's 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 very much tailored to the individual situation and the outcome business outcome that they're looking to achieve so i will give you you know i have a couple of examples i'm happy to share um so the first one is something I, a project i worked on last year for a global manufacturer and they approached me um, with this uh, product that they wanted to relaunch because they found that it was not being it was not successfully adopted in the Americas, but it was successfully adopted in Europe. That the product needed to have the same features to um, appeal to both markets. They couldn't like they couldn't seg segment based on Europe and and Americas for various reasons. So. Their goal was to um, double their market share for that product to their customers. So we engaged in the empathetic positioning process. I talked to their internal teams, both in Europe and the Americas, and um, we understood kind of what, what was on their minds. One thing that surfaced is that um, in often services in these projects is that what that not everyone internally is even speaking the same language. So kind of level setting and getting everyone thinking about what are the goals, needs and values of the organization and, and reflecting that back to them is a big part of that. So that's, that's one part. The other part was then talking to the customers that we identified and the prospective customers um, for this new product and bringing that, those voices to the table finding that alignment, like I mentioned earlier, this goal overlap, and then developing um, strategies for reaching that new market and for rolling it out um, with new messaging, with new collateral materials, and with um, recommendations for their sales team to go and, and, and sell the new product. So I have checked back in with that particular client and they are well on their way to their 2x marketing, um, 2x market share goal. And, um, and I really, you know, feel like that's, that's a really kind of, it's a rewarding thing to hear that like this, this, it all started with the empathetic positioning process and that we laid the groundwork for them to be going to market in a more meaningful way. So it's working, but I'm just wondering, in your personal life, have you noticed that um, the learning from developing and deploying your CCC methodology for empathetic, what is it called? The empathetic positioning process, positioning process, um, <laughs> has that changed how you behave and are as a person in the world with your family and friends or neighbors or community? Oh, I love that question. 
Yes. I mean, I think the more you read and learn about empathy, the more you are aware of being empathetic and the more reflective you are on your own actions. And that doesn't mean that I'm 100% empathetic all the time. I mean, ask my husband. <laughs> He'll say, mm, I don't know. I don't know where that falls on the empathy spectrum. But yeah, I think, yes, it absolutely um, makes me show up with more curiosity, you know, and I think, and I think whenever we're curious, we are able to, um, we're able to dispel stereotypes because we just realize that there were, we're more similar than we're different. And I think as, as long as we keep our minds and hearts open to understand and truly like be motivated to understand where people are coming from, the more likely we're to find that common ground. So yes, absolutely. It is part of my life. It's part of how I parent. It's part of how I show up for my friends and family. And um, like I said, not always perfectly, but certainly very, very much, very much aware. Yeah. Now, in terms of a KPI, you just mentioned that, you know, there's one client that you were working with is 2x their sales, thanks to your process, or at least in part, thanks to your process. So I wonder if you could say, you know, in addition to just the company at large as an entity that's, you know, is a business, who else benefits from the process? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, every, every product or service exists and I think often starts from a place of empathy and I uh, I often say that like a founder is the most empathetic individual at the beginning when they under like they understand that they're trying to solve a problem in the world they recognize that this is a challenge for people and they came up with this great idea um, and they they want to put something in the market that's going to address that challenge and serve people but then over time right like the more people they hire and the larger their organization grows and now they're you know looking at everything with a with a sharpened pencil and really trying to you know cut costs and increase revenue um, I think that some of that human empathy piece can get can get lost so um, so I do think that that's a kind of a big part of of why, you know, this is so, so important today. Yeah, I'm certainly, I don't know, as somebody who's working in the empathy space, especially within say, the corporate environment, you must be seeing how often empathy, uh, you know, whether it's Forbes or the World Economic Forum or Time Magazine, I mean, like empathy is yeah. on fire and people are trying to, especially now post-COVID, or as yeah. we're emerging from the post-COVID, like that people are really figuring out um, how important it is not as a soft skill nice to have but how it really really transforms organizational culture um you know employee well-being engagement retention all of these things so you're seeing it oh yeah absolutely i feel like there's a real strong desire to bring more empathy to organizations i think that a lot of people think it's it's kind of one-to-one, right? Like I'm going to treat you with more kindness. I'm going to listen better to you in a one-on-one basis. But I think to really move the needle, we need to get systematic about harnessing the collective empathy of our organizations. And that's what I'm hoping to do with this work. Beautiful. Wow. That's well, good luck. I mean, that sounds like amazing work. As a human being wandering around the world, can you think of a time when you were on the receiving end of empathy or what I call purposeful empathy, so intentional, mm-hmm. uh, and what that meant for you? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and I, I think just to, before I answer that, I just want to say that like this whole idea of being systematic about empathy is very much in line with purposeful empathy. It's, it's this true intention, this real desire to, um, to reach people, to connect with them, to listen with an open mind and heart. Um, but yes, I'm happy to share a story. Um, so this was many years ago. My son was probably five years old. We were on a family vacation and um, we brought his little stuffed animal that was, you know, just so dear to him, this little puppy that's still, um, you know, is a very special puppy in our lives. And um, we came back to our room after our first fun day exploring and the puppy was gone. So this is like pure devastation, right? You have a, you have a young child. So if they're attached to any blanket or stuffed animal, like it's, it's a big deal, right? So, you know, I kind of, I called the front desk frantically because it clearly they had changed the sheets and they probably like puppy got (laughs) swept up and all of that. And I didn't know where these sheets go. They could be sending them out to, you know, a company, you know, 20 miles from there. I had no idea. So a person from their housekeeping staff came up to our room and she said to me in this like beautiful accent, she said to your son, the puppy is you. And I was like, oh my gosh, I felt like if one of those things where you felt like that probably had a really beautiful phrase in her native language and she translated that and I was like, oh my gosh, she completely understands like I feel seen and heard right now. Um, So they asked me to wait in the lobby. And um, this was just the best so 15 or 20 minutes or so I don't even know it felt like forever went by and a person in like a little uniform drove up in a golf cart and this puppy was just like sitting next to him and they went and like they found puppies <laughs> it's like miracle right um so I just felt like these people really cared and it wasn't because someone was telling them you need to care like they, they were they were working in an environment where caring and putting people first was really central to how they function. Um, and that was just so valuable to me and to my family. And it's something that's become part of our lore, you know, it's something that like will always stick with us. It's a memory that um, meant so much. Um, and I just think we all need to we all need to show up that way. Like we need to look for what people value and, and do our best to, um, to connect with them. So, okay. That is such a beautiful story. And I'm so glad that your son got his puppy back. Does he still have it? Oh yes. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All these years later, puppy is still a very special part of our family. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that. That's a beautiful way to end this conversation. So thank you so much for spending part of your afternoon with us. Um, And I want to thank everybody who's been watching and listening. And we'll see you next week at Purposeful Empathy. Thank you, Anita. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Marissa. What if you had access to your own council of coaches to help you break free from your thinking clutter, make that important decision, and liberate you from whatever's holding you back? At Grand Huron International, you get to choose the coach of your choice anytime from anywhere. Visit GrandHuronInternational.com and harness the power of on-demand coaching today.